Hi, you're listening to Tea Stained Pages and this is Tiffany. Today, I have a special episode in store for you guys. It's a departure from the usual format and I hope you enjoy it. A few weeks ago, I sat down with Elise to discuss the hate you give. In an age of social distancing, this interview was done online, so the audio quality may not be the best, but it is a high-quality interview and discussion that I am sure you will enjoy. About midway through the interview, there will be a third voice cutting in, and that will be Bella, who helped set up the interview. And without further ado, here's the conversation. Would you yeah. would you be comfortable like telling me about yourself and only in like as much information as you are comfortable sharing and that you are comfortable sharing with the public as well? Because this episode just goes out onto the internet. True, true. Um, okay. Um, I'm Elise. I'm a student at the University of Sydney. I am of Sudanese Egyptian descent, and I'm in my fourth year studying immunology and um, film studies at the university. So the fellow was telling me that you really liked films and so for the hate you give what I did was I read the book so the first time I read the book I it was as an audio book so it was kind of like I tuned in and out of it and the second time I read it properly for my episode of the podcast but I didn't watch the movie so I think it'll be really interesting to see like how the movie's different from the book and what you thought about mm the movie as well because um I was telling Bella that like one of the things that I didn't like about my episode on the hate you give was that I was really cautious about discussing like African-American identity because it's not something that I know really well and I don't know anyone of that background so all I could talk about was how the media presented certain things and the mm-hmm. way it impacted on things so I feel like how like people of an African background would relate to the book and take out of the book would be really different from what I took out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because I haven't read the book or listened to the audiobook. I've only seen the film. Um, and I was meaning to read the book, but like me as like a film buff kind of w- rather watch the film than read the book, which I know is kind of like blasphemous in like arts and all that kind of stuff. But um yeah, in terms of the film itself, I really enjoyed it. And I think it, I enjoyed it more for the performances themselves rather than how the film actually was structured. Um, I felt like it did a good job at letting characters, um, especially the leading characters like Amanda Stettenberg, Stellenberg, I'm not really sure how to pronounce her last name, um, her ability to... Um, make the character very much her own I appreciated that and all the other star characters did quite a good job Um, like overall I enjoyed the film I think there was a lot of um, issues with like timing if that makes sense so I felt like they took the time to fully flesh out the first act into the second act and then rushed the ending Um, in a kind of like 10, 15 minute summary that's supposed to be like a satisfactory like tying of loose ends kind of thing, which a lot of films do, unfortunately, because, you know, it's kind of easy to introduce characters and build up 
you know, their kind of the reason that they are that they way that they are and how they approach situations. And as soon as the conflict arises, it's easy to kind of build um, a character arc, but it's kind of hard to tie in all the things that the character has learned at the end of the film um, in order for it to be like a satisfying ending, but also a not predictable ending. So even though the film was based on a book, like I said, which I haven't read, I'm not sure how the book ended it, but the way that the film ended it, it was kind of like, I know the audience wants a happy ending. And so we're going to try our best to make it make sense in that way. Even if it means compromising the quality of the story and how we got to this point. It ended, um, oh, I haven't watched it in like, a, I haven't watched it in a minute, but it ended with like this kind of um, montage of like happy moments in the neighborhood. And like, it was like a really sunny summer's day and um, the main character and her family were like having a barbecue or something in the backyard. And it was kind of like, well, now everything is back to normal. And that's mm, our mm-hmm. happy ending, you know, like even though, you know, countless people had died and there was a lot of drama and a lot of, um, you know, police brutality, conflict and everything. And at the end, I guess they were trying to be like, you know, life goes on. And despite having to struggle through all these things, like we, we continue to live and I get that, but it was kind of like, I get that they just wanted some kind of Hollywood happy ending instead of like a genuine kind of like, how people's lives are affected after like mass shootings and deaths and just the shootings of like small populations of like minority people and it kind of wasn't addressed. Mm-hmm. So that was my early downfall with the film. But besides that, I think it did a really good job at addressing very difficult topics and topics that are constantly told in African-American cinema. So police brutality and, you know, racism and institutionalized racism and protests and politics like it's a lot of the topics that are in a lot of african-american based films and Mm. people have heard it time and time and again and it's gone to the point where people might feel sick about hearing such jarring stories about african-american communities because i feel like a lot of people who will watch these films would think only that of african-american communities and groups so the film to come out um at the time that it did and its ability to tell that story but not feel very repetitive is what I enjoyed about it. Um, It didn't feel like they were doing it for the sake of, I don't know, being politically in tune with what was happening in like America um, and what continues to happen in terms of police brutality. Like I, I, I enjoyed how they let this film become something that can be watched by all ages and understood by a lot of people. Having the main character be a girl that's in her teenage years, she's like 16, 17, Mm. and her to lead like a revolution in her community is very important. And I like, I like that aspect, but at the same time, like that's stuff that the book can also give. So there's a lot of questions about why adapt books like that into films anyway. Um, which is a, a whole debate in itself, but that's what I enjoyed about it, personally. So, like, you do think that the movie kind of added something into the conversation about, like, the African-American experience and, like, African-American identity? Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember a lot of buzz coming around when the film was about to be released. Um, I guess 
with every film that is based in or is based around African-American characters that is touching subjects that are very sensitive and jarring. Mm. Um, there's always a lot of praise for, um, you know, a film that has like African-American leads. So like, like seeing people on screen um, that look like, you know, people like me. But then there's always the other side of the coin where um, it's a lot of why are we only telling these stories about African-American people? I think at the time when the film came out, and like I said, there was like a lot of buzz around it. A lot of the buzz was like, The Hate You Give was such an amazing book. And Angie Thomas is such a, an amazing writer. And we can't wait to see what they do with it. And there's always this excitement before the film comes out. Mm. And I feel like there's always like a decline in excitement as soon as the film does come out. Because there's a lot of hype around the expectation that people want that film to be. Um, and, you know, it's kind of hard for... Um, people of colour mainly to be mediocre. Like you're not really allowed to be successful in an industry, whether it be writing or film, and be mediocre. Like it's not a possibility. You have to do so much better than people expect you to do in order for you to become recognised and for you to, for ha to have your work acknowledged as good. So I understand why there was a lot of buzz around it um, because of, you know, a Black book written by a Black author created and starring black people was very important but I think there was the other side of the coin where people were kind of against using Amandala as a lead token black girl that's digestible for white audiences so in the fact that she has lighter skin she's mixed race so she's half black and half white so I guess there might have been some conflict with the black community about starring a black lead that is only half black and might mean to be an African-American that is like will come from like two African-American parents and that comes into terms with like colorism and featureism in the black community and in terms of like a darker skinned African-American person will probably face more prejudice than a lighter skinned less African-American looking mixed race person, if that makes sense. So people had issues with her being the lead. Well, she is black, we can't deny her identity in that way, but a lot of people do think that, you know, it's a very palatable blackness, if that makes sense. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book was that, so Star <laughs> is a 16, 17 year old girl, as you mentioned. And um, one of the things that I really loved about the book was that Obviously, Thomas talks about the whole thing uh, of police brutality, but she also shows Star as like a normal 16-year-old girl who has like troubles with her friends and has troubles with her boyfriend. And I was wondering, did yes. that come true in the movie as well, or was that loss? Um, no, I don't think it was loss. They definitely, in a lot of ways, made it very... Like, may, like constantly reminded the audience that she enjoys the same music and, um, you know, w dresses the same as every other kind of like teenage person that age growing up in an area that she grew up in um, or from anywhere. Actually, I think it's like a universal, like she listens to like Travis Scott and she wears like the latest Jordans and she has like her like prized shoe collection. And there was nothing that felt like 
unnaturally like movie teenager what's kind of like oh that's nothing a teenager would actually do so there was none of that it was very natural feeling in terms of like how realistic they made her um interests like mm. so her interest in music her interest in fashion and her relationship with her friends all did feel very realistic to me I don't think it felt I don't think it got lost in the film in any kind of way and then like in relation to that do you think it ever took away from the main message that Thomas was talking about in terms of Black Lives Matter and police brutality in America yeah um the Black Lives Matter movement was led by a lot of people her age and is forefronted by a lot of people her age so it didn't seem to take away from anything or any kind of connection that I create that I formed with her character for her to be her age and to be interested in the things that she's interested in goes to the school that she goes to all of it was very pivotal to creating someone that is relatable to a lot of people and that a lot of people can form connections with especially if you're an African-American or an African living in as a minority in another Western country I feel like it's very relatable in that aspect where you know sometimes you might have to dilute your behavior around like your white peers and then change your attitude with your black peers and then you kind of have like this dual citizenship really in like a white space and black space so I definitely don't think that like how they try to balance who she is as a person herself as star the person and a star the activist in the film I think they did a really good job at merging the two versions of her um, and it really did help push forth the message of um, understanding black, like the Black Lives Matter, the movement itself and um, the kind of factors that caused the movement, you know, police brutality, institutionalized racism and all of that. Yeah. It looks like the, the movie really like conveyed the message of the book. Is you happy about that? I, I literally watched the movie um for the first time I've read like part of the book I haven't finished I should do that but I watched it like mm. at 1am this morning and I cried so much wow like, I I don't even I don't know if it was just the time that I was watching it <laughs> like no I cried too to, it's it's like I think they did a really good job of making it yeah that like gradual build and you got really attached to the characters but like, as you said at the beginning, after prom and after that um, protest, after that, it was kind of like what you were saying, like really like Hollywood happy and they were all trying to like, everyone was friends apart from that one friend, I forgot her name. Yeah, right after prom and after the protest, it was kind of like, okay, the film's kind of done now. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yep. I guess that's, yeah. that's how it's how we're ending that but it, it is very emotional it's definitely mm -hmm. one of those like trigger warning films where you kind of have to like get into it in a certain mindset I mean like mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning watching it I'd definitely mm -hmm. be in shambles <laughs> <laughs> like I would not be in the right headspace to process the film so yeah it's definitely one of those get yourself ready to watch it kind of things because you know you're gonna probably cry and if not cry get super mad and emotional about it and stuff yeah yeah she's Shit, intense how did the book finish book yes kind of, it kind of finishes like how you said like it's a bit it's definitely more of a happy ending so khalil's 
um, the police was never charged with his murder. Oh, so yeah, then, yeah. You kind of, I think, you kind of see Star <laughs> get really angry over it, which is where you get um, the protests. But after the protest, I felt like it wasn't so much of a happy ending. It was more like Star kind of accepted, oh, not really accepted, but Star was kind of on the road to like overcoming her grief and the experiences and she was kind of not really moving on but I think she understood that she's done all that she could for Khalil and for her community and now she has to take the steps to recovery so it was a it was definitely like a brighter and more hopeful ending but it didn't feel like a happy ending like the way that you guys are describing it. I feel like she still had her grief and the community yeah. was still like shaken up and the community did come together like Garden Heights did come together at the end as well for her but one of the very last things that she does is she lists out all the victims of police brutality in America and she puts down all their names. And I think Thomas wanted to reinforce that if we can remember these people's names and these instances, then we can continue fighting for justice. Yeah, it was hopeful, but I wouldn't say it was happy in the book. I remember anything similar to that at the ending. Although, I don't know. Unless I just fell asleep. (laughs) I mean, like... I mean... It might have been a thing that would have happened in the ending in the film, but it was never explicitly drawn out or explained or even shown in a way that might have felt like she might have felt a little bit guilty. She did like a little voiceover, if I remember, about like how the community was going. Mm. Um, But I don't think there was any kind of like fleshing out of any emotions of acceptance or grief or... um, yeah, there wasn't any specific emotions that were tied to the ending. And I think that's why I didn't enjoy it as much. Like, mm. you know, there are a lot of emotions tied to different parts of the film. Mm-hmm. You have, like, moments of, like, when she's at the party before Khalil dies. You have, like, emotions tied to um, the protests. And um, you have emotions tied to Khalil actually being shot. But then, then the ending was kind of, like, emotionless or no emotions specifically tied to it that made you feel any kind of way it was just accepting that the film was over at that point instead of feeling immersed in that moment emotionally I think that's how I felt about it right because I think I think when Thomas wrote it I feel like the impression that I got from it was that because she ends it on such a neg like a sad note that Khalil never got justice I think she still, she wanted to reflect the reality of things as they were in America. But I think she also wanted to give hope Mm. to her audience because they are a young, they are a young adult audience and they are teenagers. I think she wanted to instill some kind of hope in them so that they will still fight rather than just give up was was the kind of like emotion I got from it with the ending Mm. of the book. Yeah, I feel you. I feel like there is a realistic aspect in that sometimes these things don't actually have the ending that people want it to be like of course people want justice and they want fairness in the system but mm-hmm. a lot of the times that's not the case so I enjoyed that, that there was a realistic element to that I feel like I would have disliked it more if there was some kind of big hurrah about you know Khalil getting justice and the police officer getting fired or even like 
you know, um, you know, going to court himself or getting arrested. Yeah. Um, but that simply doesn't really happen as often as it should. And it's very rare um, that the police officer ever gets charged or, um, you know, um, addressed for their actions. So I feel like in terms of how it could have ended, the ending in the film was like, it's realistic. Like in, if it isn't like emotionally tired and if it isn't like completely like some kind of like tear jerking emotional ending, it is realistic at the end of the day. Honestly, like, cause I haven't read, I haven't watched the film, but I actually thought that they would list out the victims' names of police shootings at the end of the film as a way to commemorate them. Did they do that at the film, in the movie at all, or no? Not that I remember. Not that I remember either. It would have been a nice touch because yeah. at the end of, um, Spike Lee made a film last year called Black Klansman, um, <laughs> and it was about a black police officer that joined the Ku Klux Klan. And at the end of the film, they like commemorated and acknowledged the, the victims of Charlotte mm-hmm. um, and the hate crime that happened there. And there was like a mass like protests and cars were being run through the protesters. And there was like tear gas and everything. And a lot of people unfortunately had died in that um, protest. And then Spike Lee at the end of his film, even though it, it didn't necessarily have to do with police brutality explicitly, um, brought that into the end to kind of commemorate it. So that would have been a nice touch maybe, um, or something that would have been more um, emotionally drawn out and links it back to reality. Cause you know, a lot of people do get lost in, you know, the kind of spectacle of cinema and it is a medium that's created to kind of take you out of reality. Um, mm-hmm. But I did enjoy when Spike did that at the, fil- at the end of the film um, because it definitely linked everything back to this is stuff that's still happening today. This isn't stuff that's locked in this movie time chamber and that doesn't leave this theater or your bedroom. Like this is happening outside and it's happening to a lot of people um, in the other side of the world, or right outside your doorstep and that kind of stuff. So that could have been something that may have really tied everything to the realistic aspect and standpoint that the film was kind of coming from. The book is about the African-American context. How do you relate to it as an African-Australian? Like what, what in the, like what about it speaks to you? Obviously there's going to be commonalities that you share and like, like common experiences that you share with like African-Americans, but I'm also very aware that it's two very, it's still a different context and it's still a different experience. And I don't want to lump it together. Yeah, they're definitely two very different experiences. Um, And yeah, like they do mirror each other in some aspects and they do parallel each other in others. Um, And I guess why stories like these are very close to me or like relate to me is that, I don't know, being a film student, seeing all this thing kind of happen, I feel like, um it's very important to kind of like represent these stories whether they are like really jarring or emotional or intense or you know all these kinds of things that a lot of people are scared to see and scared to come to terms and face with like in real life um 
I think representation of African Americans, Africans in the Thai diaspora are very important because I feel like as an African Australian, there's a very, we're like, we're new to this country, you know, like a lot of us are new to this country. A lot of people have only been here, like I'm a first generation immigrant. So a lot of us are new here and are still finding grounds on which to build our own culture and our own identity um, as communities um, and as individuals. But African-American culture has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years and was established in America. Obviously, the First Nations people were there before. But, you know, in terms of like when America was colonized and, you know, slavery, um, there's been a lot of development of a culture that is uniquely African-American. So far gone that it's lost traditional parts of their African heritage. Like there's a lot of conflict between first-generation Africans and African-American people in the States. But I feel like a lot of African-Australians gravitate towards African-American culture because it's very reflective of something, of things that we understand and respect. And it's a way for us to create a culture of our own that doesn't necessarily actually exist here. So um, I guess that's what my kind of relation to African-American culture is. And it's kind of the closest thing to being represented as a black woman, um, even though our, the Australian and American experience are very different, mm-hmm. it's one of the few times that I feel like I'm acknowledged as like a black person, because um, Australian media doesn't really do that, and when they do, it's not really done well. Um, so I think I definitely relate a lot to certain parts of the African American experience, or at least I identify or feel a close connection to um in a in very I feel like surface level ways I'll never understand like police brutality personally and I don't think I'll ever be in a situation where I feel like I'm completely um disadvantaged in terms of you know possibility of getting work or possibility of um you know having like a proper life for myself or something that I feel like is a good life for myself. Um, And I don't, like, I'm not afraid of like walking out it. Well, I mean, there's a different like um, connection to, you know, being a woman and being certain parts of like in, like in certain minority groups, but like, I don't fear of being shot by the police here, which I feel like is a part, even though it's sad, is a part of the African-American experience in a lot of places. so there's a lot of connections and there's a lot of you know things that um will um separate us in terms of culture and context and history and a whole lot of other different um factors but yeah it's a very interesting thing to be able to see it and watch it in films versus actually being that and living it and being a part of that experience. So well. <laughs> is there, as like a last oh question, my God. I think there's a lot of yeah. questions I have for you, but is there anything else that you would like to discuss about the movie or like the book or anything about that, that maybe I haven't quite asked the question that you could do so? Um, I think it's very important to like support um, Black filmmaking and black stories and narratives in whatever form it takes whether it's in books or it's or if it's in film or 
you know, other forms. And I think it's important for people to be able to create their own, like, opinions and thoughts about things like this, because I feel like a lot of people will follow along in terms of, so, like, people outside of the African community or the African diaspora um, should really get into things like this in order to be able to learn about themselves and about the world around them, because there's a lot of ignorance out there. And if the easiest way to get that through to people is through watching a film about it, then I think that should be like more promoted. I feel like the film is a good way for people from like, you know, in their mid-teens to kind of um, face or understand or even just like observe like the realities of what, you know, black people go through in America almost daily, if not that frequently. Um, I think the film is definitely one of those, like, could be taught in schools kind of films. Like, it should definitely be part of, like, the, like, a curriculum of, like, if you want to understand African-American studies or police brutality in America, Black Lives Matter, all that kind of stuff. I think it's definitely an educational film that doesn't take away from or doesn't soften the blow of a lot of like harsh realities for a lot of people. And I think it's both the film and the book, which I haven't read, but would probably promote anyway, um, without even having read it, um, I think would be, is very important to be able to promote stuff like that and for people to like get educated because there's a lot of uneducated people out there um, saying very uneducated things. But yes, that's what I have to say. Yeah, I think... Mm. That's so good. Like, I feel like it was so nice to have your perspective on it. Yeah, no, this was really good. I like being able to talk about this stuff. I hope you enjoyed that little discussion about The Hate You Give. It was nerve-wracking doing my first interview and I'm so grateful for Elisa's patience with me and for sitting down with me to talk about The Hate You Give. She gave so much insightful perspectives and she's so eloquent, isn't she? My socials are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TeaStainPod. Follow me there for updates on the podcast because I have picked my next book and I will start dropping hints about what it is. With all that is happening around in the world at the moment, I hope everyone is staying safe and taking care of themselves, their family, and their friends. These days, I find myself looking to the sky a lot more often than I usually do and finding a little solace there. So I hope wherever you are and whatever situation you are in, you can find that little silver lining within your lives every day during these uncertain times. So that was the episode. I hope that was half an hour of some kind of company or some kind of entertainment and i look forward to being back with you guys again for the next episode bye